basically, to give you a, a background, um, Ninth Man Nation, uh, we've discussed this at the games uh, briefly, it's something I want to, uh, to, well, I've been launching now for the last couple weeks. We have two podcasts up. Uh, we have a 36-minute one, which is our first episode, and that one basically gives us a, a background of who Tom and I are and our experiences of going to AFL games. Mm-hmm. So that's what we discussed on that one. And we basically want to keep this like a, a roundtable for the fans to have a voice to say, hey, we did this, we did this, and this is how we experienced our games here, and how we experienced games going on the road or going to the Arena Bowl game or whatever. Okay. So that's, that's what we do here. And then um, last week uh, we recorded a two-hour-long episode where we had one of the, one of the um, longtime Sabercat fans come in, and he's from Santa Cruz, and he was here for, he's been a season ticket holder for 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, since 95. So we had him on, and we basically discussed his experience as a fan and what he thought, and then how he got a, a call from Commissioner Butera. And Butera actually called him back, and they, they sat on the phone together for like a, an hour just discussing things. So, and then we discussed um, what we thought about the A-team situation and how it's going to tournament-style playoff situation and all that. And then we discussed... Um, Tom and I's road trips. Uh, we're planning to go to four games next year. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you and I discussed it. You know, we're probably going to go to the LA Kiss Phoenix game on May 21st, depending mm-hmm. on your um, your availability on your other job. So um, that's what we're doing. And basically, we want to bring that up to a lot of people. And it's just a share. And I want to get um, slowly but surely, I'll be migrating to having fans and also other players. Um, I have, I'm going to get in line with having even. Um, I want to have um, James Barron, the new president of the league, of the, um, the players union back on, because he's cool. And he can share his experience from his time with the Chicago Rush back in the heyday. You know, right. so, and that's what I want to do. You know, I don't want to create this as like a media site where we're media say, okay, Steve Watson, you did this and this, and why did you have to go do this and all that stuff? No. I want to have it from like, from, okay, you played X amount of time with the Tulsa Talons. Why you were there... How was your experience? I know part of it was AF2. How was your experience there while you were there as far as for the interaction, you personally with the fans? And then when they came up to the AFL level in that one year, how was your experience there changed between the two different league levels? And then and then um, I guess um, when you transferred over to the Sabercats, how were the fan experience there with the Sabercats? And how, okay. did, and how did the team go about doing that? So... I guess let's just go ahead and introduce yourselves. So you know, like, say who you are and, and the teams that you play for and where you're at right now in the league. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I kind of got my start in uh, arena football uh, back in 2005. Uh, I was just coming out of college from uh, Southwest Missouri State, which is uh, Missouri State now. Uh, and you know, obviously, like uh, most of the guys, I had uh, aspirations of you know, playing at the uh, NFL level and, uh, you know, kind of once reality set in that that wasn't going to be, uh, you know, the best path for me, I actually got a call from a uh, uh, longtime uh, AFL coach, uh, Art Hagee, who's, uh, you know, since passed away. And uh, he actually asked me to come down to uh, Arkansas and uh, play arena football. Uh, growing up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, I had actually never uh, experienced uh, real arena football. Didn't really know uh, 
uh, much about it. And, uh, you know, this was a arena too. And, you know, once, you know, of course we got around to the uh, topic of pay, told me is you know $200 uh, yeah. and uh, a $50 win bonus which wasn't uh, didn't you know thrill me uh, that much but of course I wanted to continue my playing career so uh, in 2005 took a uh, you know drive down to uh, North Little Rock Arkansas and uh, had an opportunity to show up there on about Tuesday and, and, and start the game uh, that Saturday and yeah. uh, I was only there I was only there for the last five games of the season and uh, was what did well enough uh, to where, you know, of course, they wanted to bring me back and, you know, came back for the uh, 2006 season and, uh, you know, had a nice season. Uh, I think I totaled uh, 16 or 17 sacks the regular season. And uh, that was back in the two-way game, uh, which was, you know, quite a different experience. And, you know, really just really loved it down there. The, they had a really uh, uh, solid fan base uh there it was uh it was a game like nothing i had ever experienced and uh was fortunate enough to with the success i had there uh to you know be elevated to the af1 uh and this is of course uh for the 2007 season and so uh you know being you know courted by different teams uh you know after that uh you know the stint in arkansas uh traveled around it was uh it was kind of cool it was uh like back in high school when uh, you have a good senior season and all, you, you take yeah. the recruiting around uh, to all the different places. And uh, I took a trip out to uh, San Jose and really just uh, fell in love with it, fell in love with the, uh, with the coaching staff, fell in love with uh, uh, everything uh, that they really uh, had going. Obviously, the success of the franchise uh, going back, but not really just uh, what they had done in the past, but you know where I saw the organization is headed. And uh, so I, you know, I went ahead and signed with uh, San Jose and came out there for the uh, 2007 season. Uh, I, I tell you what, the uh, the difference between the AF2 and the uh, uh, AF1 was about as uh, different as uh, NAIA and uh, University of Alabama. I mean, it was uh, uh, it was it was that different of. Uh, of an experience, I, you know, I once my first game, you know, seeing, you know, the stands completely packed, seeing the uh, television crews from side to side, having it, you know, the the, the fans really uh, gravitate towards you and having an opportunity to really, you know, interact. And I think that's uh, when we first, uh, you and I first met and yeah. uh, really just, you know, it was just an incredible, you know, experience. And, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, we had the, with the on-field success we had through the uh, 2007 and 2008 seasons. Uh, there in San uh, San Jose was just uh, you know immeasurable. I mean, it was just uh, it was incredible. Uh, you know, the, in every city we went to, um, save for Vegas, uh, <laughs> was just an incredible uh, was just an incredible uh, fan experience uh, and just uh, you know really something uh, immaculate. And you know, obviously, uh, you know, I think all of our hearts were broken when the uh, 2000 after the conclusion of the 2008 season when yeah. uh, you know things didn't. And out quite the way we had uh, hoped, and uh, you know the league shut down. Uh, you know, and then I took uh, you know 2009 as a uh, as a hiatus from uh, from playing, and uh, you know it was uh, really I guess uh, you know fortunate in one respect that uh, I had uh, uh, a substantial uh, knee injury uh, that uh, I wouldn't have been able to play for the 2009 season anyway. Actually, I had my knee reconstructed twice, well, and I yeah. uh, went through. Uh, uh, a ton of surgeries and uh, 
Uh, certainly didn't know if I'd be able to play again, but uh, you know, came back out to uh, California, had the uh, uh, expert medical services of uh, the team doctor, uh, Arthur King, uh, who was working with uh, other you know, professional sports franchises and long history there, and he uh, actually uh, fixed me up better than new. Yeah. And so uh, when the league reemerged in uh, 2010, I uh, was able to uh, you know, uh, sign and go ahead and went to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and uh, play there. Yeah, that experience. Uh, yeah, it was it was like no other. I mean, it, it uh, uh, you know the small market uh, there in Tulsa. Uh, you know, it's it a small market, but they had a strong fan base, and uh, uh, you know it was you know the the love that we got uh, there. Obviously, there weren't uh, the other professional sports there uh, uh, near there, so I mean, it really pulled. Uh, you know, all the, the whole community in uh, there to experience that. And I just, uh, I, I, was, I was thrilled. I mean, it was uh, really an amazing experience. And then at the conclusion of, uh, of, of that season, uh, you know, they were going through some, uh, some ownership changes and, uh, uh, you know, changing uh, the way they operated a, a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, myself and uh, really the nucleus of the team uh, really just uh, decided to disperse and, you know, kind of go our uh, – uh, our separate ways, and uh, from there, I went to uh, the uh, Dallas Vigilantes, and uh, <laughs> I had a uh, opportunity to play there under really just a, a great owner uh, and Woody, Woody Kern, uh, who since passed away uh, yeah. as well, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, under the coaching of uh, Clint Dozell, who was just uh, you know, obviously uh, a tremendous player and. Uh, you know, really just a uh, really just a nice guy. <laughs> he's yeah. just a, he, he's really just a, a really good guy, and uh, we had a a really solid team there. Uh, we didn't have uh, the same type of fan base that I had experienced in other places, uh, partially with the, with the changing of the name. Uh, I think that you know most of the people on the Dallas market had uh, really become accustomed to having the uh, Desperados name. Uh, and even though we're still playing, we were still playing there at the uh, American Airlines Center. Uh, not having that name, I think, really uh, alienated uh, people. And you know, of course, uh, you know, we still had some on-field success, but we weren't drawing, uh, you know, the the diehard fans that uh, I had experienced, and you know, in other markets. And I, and I attribute a lot of that to due to the uh, uh, to the name change. Yeah. And then, of, uh, then of course, uh, you know, that was in the 2011 and. Uh, uh, obviously, I got uh, heavily involved with the, uh, uh, the formation of uh, the new AFL uh, Players Union, and uh, uh, <laughs> with that, it uh, pretty much wrapped up my playing career. Uh, uh, you know, just, that's just kind of the way you know things go sometimes. Uh, you know, I guess uh, you know teams have decided that uh, you know, me uh, moving that direction uh, wasn't uh, in their best interest to have me around as a player. So. Uh, that was fine. Those are the sacrifices you make for the good of the game and for yeah. the good of the players. But, you know, the fan experience has just been incredible, really, you know, through and through uh, from each team that I've played with. And, yeah, I just can't say enough about it. Yeah. So um, your first experience with the AFL, the true AFL-level fans, is with the, the Sabercats back in 2007 and your Reno Bowl days beating those guys from Columbus and, and Mr. Oh, Nagy, yah. and that you had enough of a little taste of Mr. Nagy's flesh because you were sacked him like crazy. <laughs> 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 not, not uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We, uh, 
We had quite a team there. It was, uh, uh, I, I, I was actually joking on uh, Facebook with uh, uh, many of the uh, current Sabercat guys or the guys from this past season, and they were, uh, uh, they were quick to label themselves as the uh, GOAT for uh, arena football, greatest of all time yeah. uh, team-wise. And, uh, you know, I had to give those guys a little bit of grief and say, whoa, hang on there now. Uh, you know, I understand record-wise, you know, you guys had quite uh, a high level of accomplishment, but uh, uh, the reality is is uh, that 2017 uh, is the most dominant team uh, that I have ever seen uh, in all phases of the game. It, uh, uh, it was incredible what we were able to accomplish, and uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, even in looking at the record, we lost three games that season. We started out three and three, and uh, uh, you know, really, I, I attribute those three losses uh, to, you know, a, a new system. Obviously, that was the first uh, year of the of the one way uh, players in the in the AF1 uh, level. And uh, really just, uh, you know, obviously, as a coaching staff trying to figure out how to best utilize people in, in a completely new system. But, you know, after that three and three start, we rattled off the next 13 straight uh, to finish out. And uh, it was uh there were not a lot of uh, close games. We were dominant. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> so. were. Yes, you were. Yeah, I, I also remember that year. And um, unfortunately, I couldn't go to the Arena Bowl that year to watch Columbus. I went the next year, unfortunately, when the Arena Bowl was sort of purchased. Purchased, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we we won't say anything about that. Um, but um, yeah, the you can also say that um, the players in 2007 were different because they had different rule changes that were they were just being accustomed to from what they were playing in the past. Right, and also, right. and also, if you look at the other teams, that I think the quality of play was more equally. Even though the Sabercats had, like you know, record-wise and stat-wise, were like on the books dominant and on paper dominant. But if you look mm-hmm. at just the level playing field of the quality of players and the of, throughout the league, it was more equal-based, equal playing field, and there was more teams oh, no. out there. No, absolutely, and uh, you know the. You know, obviously, I, I love this uh, league. Uh, you know, I've sacrificed a lot through my personal life, through my body uh, for it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I love both versions. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is it is a different <laughs> it is a different game now. And obviously yeah. with uh, uh, with the uh, owners and the uh, uh, finances that were involved uh, in the previous league, uh, it does attract uh, a, a different caliber of uh uh, player through and through from top to bottom. Now, obviously, there's a, a tremendous amount of talent uh, in this league, uh, but there, you know, one of the key differences, uh, you know, is in the in the different uh, ownership groups that I think that we've seen since the reemergence, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of that is you did have a lot of the uh, previous uh, AF2 owners uh, that did come back and, and and really run their franchises the same way, and I think that the reason you've seen so much success uh, from uh, you know the uh, you know, the Arizonas, the San Jose's, the Philadelphia's, uh, you know, the Cleveland's, uh, you know, it's because, you know, those ownership groups were, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are used to dealing with, uh, you know, uh, running things a different way. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, obviously, uh, you know, there in Cleveland, uh, you know, having Gilbert there, he's, uh, you know, runs, uh, you know, the Mavs as, as well. So obviously all he's ever known is, uh, you know, the professional style. And then the, you know, the other ownership groups, they've, been involved in the old league and they know how to do things and i think that uh, a lot of times people uh really underestimate uh you know why uh uh we as players go and play in different places 
uh, a lot of times, you know, obviously, you know, being, uh, you know, in a place like San Jose where, uh, you know, you've got your own facility where you had, uh, you know, your own weight room, your own field, you weren't sharing, you didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, any of these other things, having the, you know, access to the private plane, which is just, oh my gosh, an incredible experience, you know, and just oh. having that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, ownership groups that are really doing a, a great job of going out and getting, uh, you know, the, the community involved and having uh, different, uh, you know, opportunities to, uh, you know, do the meet and greets with the fans, which really engages the community and uh, pulls in those people to the games. And while you have those successful and loyal fan bases, uh, you know, doing things the right way uh, in that terms of uh, marketing your team uh, uh, is just a tremendous, you know, amount of, uh, you know, it, it really draws you know, players in. And then, you know, obviously the the difference, in, you know, in talent, uh, what I really see, you know, I, from a skill position, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, most teams have, uh, you know, guys that, you know, could have competed and com- could have competed well in, in the old league. Uh, you know, it's the same way with any college you look at. Most teams, everyone's got a great running back. Everyone's got a great, great receivers and uh, uh, DBs. And, you know, I, I think that, that same, same thing kind of carries true over to our league. Uh, you know, the real difference that I've seen uh, between the leagues is in the line play uh, and the, the depth there, uh, yeah. as well as, uh, you know, at the quarterback position, the, the depth there, uh, looking yeah, in totality around the league. Yeah, you should be um, really thankful that the uh, opportunity to be in the, the players union as you are now is there for you and you're there instead of being, you know, say like if you were on the active roster with the Sabercats this past year, because... That private jet thing, it's gone. They didn't fly private this past year. They flew Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, even even with that, I mean, I, I tell you what, that, uh, you know, I was uh, kind of sound like a homer, but that, you know, that San Jose, uh, you know, just the organization, uh, you know, top to bottom, you know, it's, you got a sense that, you know, when you're in practice and you had, uh, you know, uh, John and Dave uh, coming by, you know, frequently and, you know, really taking a purchase, personal interest in guys. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, that 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 means something versus, uh, you know, your ownership actually just being, a, you know, a businessman that you never see. You see him from time to time at games, but you yeah. never really have any type of real connection. And, you know, all the guys there, you know, they knew exactly, you know, who was uh, running the deal and, you know, being involved there. And, you know, that's, you know, that speaks volumes and, you know, having an opportunity to uh, use those, uh, you know, those relationships to launch postseason careers. And, and you know, when I was uh, when I was in Tulsa, I uh, had an opportunity to, uh, you know, really connect with uh, uh, a couple of the uh, owners there. And uh, one of which uh, continues to mentor me to this day. And uh, his son's actually my best friend uh, now. And uh, that was uh, Michael Johnson, who's just a uh, uh, who was a phenomenal guy and, uh, you know, really kind of, uh, you know, took a personal interest and, you know, really helped, uh, uh, help me, uh, you know, launch my postseason career and, um, yeah, post playing career, you know, outside of, uh, arena football and, uh, really, you know, helped me to, uh, gain a, you know, a fair amount of success in my personal life, uh, outside of arena football. Yeah. So if we take you back to your playing days in Tulsa for the talents, um, what did the team itself do to market itself to interact with fans? I know from like a league standpoint, the league has a, a fan bill of rights, which each team has to sort of follow the, the code of conduct in those bill of rights. And one of them was to like at the conclusion of the games to have either 20 to 30 minutes or so 
of time, whether you set up tables on the field or whether you go around the dashboards and the players, the dancers and coaches and so forth, go around and sign autographs and take pictures of what they can. Uh, what else did the team do as far as for uh, setting up relations with the fans? Like, did they have like um, viewing parties to watch the game on TV or anything else? Or like uh, maybe like a season ticket holder, you know, party, whatever. Anything else that the Tulsa team did? No, absolutely. You know, they uh, they really tried to get uh, the booster. We did have a, uh, a fan club uh, there, and uh, uh, I think they did a, you know a, a really good job of uh, you know trying to engage uh, fans. I, I think that one of the uh, things that uh, you know may have hurt uh, you know that or that franchise a, a bit was uh, you know the move to the new building. They moved from. Uh, the Tulsa Convention Center to, over to the BOK, which is a larger facility, uh, a much uh, nicer uh, venue. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, uh, kind of moving from that, uh, I, I think that there was kind of an assumption there that uh, uh, that the uh, that because they were selling out the convention center, which is a smaller venue, that if they moved over to the BOK, that uh, you know, that additional fans would come, you know, with them doing the same things that they did uh, while they were in the convention center. And you know, I, I think that uh, uh, you know, in in business, a lot of times when you want your product to grow, uh, you know, if it's going to be uh, from a financial standpoint or anything, you know, more often than not, you have to sink a little bit more money. Uh, into the business and whether that's in terms of uh, marketing, whether it's going to be radio advertisement, TV advertisement, print media, uh, you know, really sinking the finances uh, into that. And I think that they, uh, you know, were somewhat lax and maybe continuing to do the same things that they done they had done while uh, in the smaller venue when they probably yeah. should have, you know, maybe ramped that up. And high, obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty, but, uh, you know, yeah, the fan base that, you know, that same core group of fans uh, you know, they came and they were there uh, passionately uh, every, you know, every week. And, you know, the the post game, you know, that's that kind of uh, uh, ranks true for, uh, you know, for most teams having that opportunity to go around and, and sign the autographs. And, you know, really as players, that's uh, uh, really love that, you know, you know, most of these guys, you know, haven't had an opportunity to uh, experience, uh, you know, the uh, NFL where they really, I guess feel like uh, they uh, are have that celebrity, and uh, you know having that experience, that ability, where you're having you know the kids that really just want to see you know these guys that they've just spent the last three hours uh, watching you know really play a gladiators game, uh, having the opportunity you know to have these you know people run up and you know want to sign the autographs and take pictures. Uh, I think it's just. Uh, uh, you know, the players love it, the fans love it, and, you know, it's certainly something that, uh, you know, I hope continues. Yeah, and now making a shift, I guess you could say I'm skipping the Sabercats because you and I are both in the Sabercats thing, and, and the more <laughs> and the start the thing is that the majority of the people that will probably be listening to this podcast will be Sabercats fans because, of course, I'm from San Jose here, and we're, we're locally based on getting my San Jose people out here to listen and watch this podcast, you know, and also Nation TV, but... For otherwise, let's skip over to your experience with the Vigilantes. Uh, from my perspective outside here in California compared to Dallas, is I think the reason why the Vigilantes uh, sort of, you know, let's say was not really as successful as they used to be when they were in Frisco, Texas as an AF2 team, I think they were. And then, um, or there was some other league that came in into it, maybe the IFL or something like that. And, mm -hmm. um, 
and they took over the American Airlines. And I wanted to ask, it's like the, what the Tulsa did. They went to a bigger arena. They were trying to be the Desperados, which they're not. And um, they were also, because they changed their colors, I think, to match the Desperados colors for some point. Well, well, we were... We were the um, the colors were black and red, and there was kind of some grayish in there. Uh, you know the uh, yeah, really there uh, in in Dallas. Uh, obviously, the name change uh, hurt. You know, uh, you know Jerry Jones did want to keep that uh, 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 Desperado's name, or uh, wanted uh, quite a substantial sum of money to uh, take that over, and that that obviously uh, was something that Willie, Woody wasn't uh, willing to do, but. You know, going, you know, keeping the games uh, in the American Airlines uh, Center, uh, I think they were being charged about $30,000 per home game, plus they didn't get to keep uh, any of the parking or concessions, uh, which really puts a strain, uh, you know, on the, on, the, on the ownership group to uh, really, uh, you know, bust their tail in, in, in terms of marketing and, uh, and uh, securing sponsorships uh, to be able to, you know, uh, uh, increase the wealth there because you know most uh, teams and it's the same with uh, any league uh, you know whether you're talking NBA you know NFL any of those uh, the the bulk of the uh, revenue is not generated from gate uh, it's uh, you know it's really secured through either uh, television revenue uh, marketing and sponsorships and and that's where really the the bulk of the finances are coming in and they just didn't uh, uh, they didn't have uh, the name to really back up. Uh, securing many of those uh, many of those uh, deals, uh, you know, obviously, you know, is, is really starting from scratch and trying to uh, trying to sell potential sponsors on on the potential of the uh, of the team versus uh, uh, what it had actually accomplished, and that and that really that really hurts. And I think that you know you you, you kind of was as you know walking around the city there, you know, and people would you know come up and you know talk to you and you you kind of tell them what you did for a living that you played for the vigilantes and there was a lot of that who what's that and then yeah. you say oh well you know the you know the city there used to be the you know desperados and they say oh yeah i know the desperados and so there was a there was a huge uh, disconnect there uh and really uh, you know relaying to the fans that there was um uh, a new arena football team in town uh and that uh you know same you know same ish uh league uh but uh, but a different name so yeah, yeah, that, I think that really that really hurt. Do you think that um, Jerry Jones basically had the, like the uh, the market saturated where Dallas was his middle name? You know, he basically owned um, the 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 AFL name. I thought first of all, I thought the the Desperado name was owned by the league and not the owner of the team. No, so in the in the old league, uh, the uh, owners, you know. Uh, owned everything, you know, they would purchase it, they would trade market, you know, and that's, uh, that was the ownership structure there. Uh, obviously in this, in this new league, uh, there are, uh, you know, with it, uh, uh, supposedly as a uh, single entity, uh, the league actually owns everything. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's, there's, you know, some of the teams, uh, owned it. Some of the teams didn't, uh, was, I guess is the short answer, uh, in the old league. And, uh, you know, you see the league ownership uh, now uh, where, you know, teams like Spokane, uh, as they have left, have, uh, you know, not been able to take that, uh, take that with them. And uh, I think they're going to be like the trains or locals. Oh, or, Spokane, uh, Spokane Empire. Empire. Uh, okay, there's, there's a train in there somewhere. I, I saw yeah. the logo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 
but uh, you know the the fan bases have been great. You know, I, one of the uh, things that you know you and I have uh, spoke about. Uh, you know, my primary com- career is uh, uh, with a supplement company, Isogenics, and uh, uh, with myself, I, I run the uh, professional athlete division, and yeah. you know, uh, work with uh, athletes in a in a wide range of uh, sports and. You know, I really thought I, I knew sports until I took over this job. And, I, you know, having an opportunity to meet with uh, uh, elite uh, athletes across a wider range of uh, sport, one of the things that I found is, you know, uh, you know these different sports, uh, things that I would have never thought of, they have, uh, they have such loyal uh, fan bases, uh, you, know, you know, whether it's going to be, uh, you know, the fitness competitors or skydivers or surfers, they have such large uh, and committed fan bases. And, you know, when I'm, and looking at that, I really thought about, uh, you know, the AFL, and it's it's really no different. Uh, uh, I know that some people who may not have uh, ever had the opportunity to experience a game may kind of cast it off as a niche sport or, uh, you know, something is you know, kind of a, uh, an oddity. But uh, the one thing that I always tell people is that, you know, if you go to a game, you will be hooked. I mean, this is uh, – uh, it's not the NFL. This is, you know, our own brand of football. It's, uh, you know, high impact. It's high energy. It's, you know, fun entertainment from start to finish. And people that, you know, do have an opportunity to experience a game, they become lifelong fans uh, yeah. of it. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I can definitely consider myself a fan of the game now uh, as I've moved past uh, uh, those playing days. But, you know, I'm definitely a lifelong fan because of the experiences with it. Yeah, this is like the, um, the NFL on speed. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, that that's one of the things that, you know, people always, uh, you know, want to have that comparison between, uh, you know, the two uh, games, the NFL and the uh, the indoor. And what I you know, have to continuously let them know is it's a different game. Yeah, uh, it's a completely different game. Uh, the rules, uh, the intricacies, uh, you know, of this sport, uh, you know, there are plenty of guys, uh, you know, in the NFL that cannot do. Uh, what these guys uh, do on a on a week to week basis, uh, they just can't. You know, we've you know I've had an opportunity to be in camp with uh, you know through both the old league uh, and the reemergence with guys who were you know very large names uh, you know through college through uh, NFL and they couldn't cut it. You know, and one uh, one uh, guy I won't mention his name uh, actually uh, asked to you know. Asked the coach, he knew he wasn't going to make the team, and he asked the coach, hey, you know, uh, let me say that I retired uh, from playing. You know, he just didn't want that to be uh, known that uh, with the success that he had, that he couldn't make the, NFL, the AFL team. And that's, uh, that's a testament to, you know, the, the really the skill uh, that these uh, men have to be able to go out there and do what they do on a week-to-week basis that, you know, someone that was – you know, that large of a name came in and just couldn't hack it. And that's just, uh, it's, you know, certainly no knock against, uh, you know, that person. It just, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, a unique game. It takes a unique skill set. It takes a, a certainly a unique athlete to be able to come out there and, and do it. And uh, just because you've, you know, been at the uh, uh, NFL level and made more money than some of these guys certainly doesn't mean that you're, you know, a, a better uh, athlete. Yeah. Now, now that you're saying that you're you know, you're basically done with the playing stuff, oh, you know, no, you might pull a Jordan and come back and play for the new ownership <laughs> of the SaberCats or whatever. <laughs> or, but as long as you don't uh, join that local team that's right next to out of your front yard there, you know, you know. <laughs> but uh, now that you're done, just from like an overall fan pers- point of view, 
what do you think the, um, this league needs to do to, to get back to basically like say 80% of what it was first to, you know, to get going again? You know, I, I think that some of the things have, uh, you know, really already been done. And, and I know that uh, with some of, some of the, uh, you know, ownership and team turnover that, uh, uh, you know, that we've seen over recent years from uh, kind of from an, from an outsider looking in, it, it may seem like, well, you know, these guys are in trouble. What's going on? Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously I you know, have been privy to some, you know, uh, additional, uh, you know, information as it relates to a lot of that stuff. But, yeah. you know, I, I really think that, uh, you know, they're moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, and sometimes you do, you, you may lose a few, uh, you know, the uh, ownerships or teams that uh, may not share, uh, you know, the vision of the best way to uh, proceed. But, uh, you know, uh, I think that, you know, Scott uh, Buteras, uh uh, I think that he legitimately is uh, interested in the, uh, you know, the the success of this league, uh, and, and I think that uh, you know he's got a vision for you know how that moves forward, and uh, uh, I think that a lot of those things are in play. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the long term, uh, securing a uh, a viable or a viable uh, television partner, uh, you know, uh, league wide sponsors, uh, you know, and I, I really think that. You know, getting out of uh, you know their current system of uh, uh, single entity, uh, I think that getting uh, out of that and creating more of a, a free market for uh, you know for players, I think is gonna uh, is really going to attract uh, you know additional uh, you know big name guys to come in, which will pull in additional fans. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's kind of a piggyback thing. The more fans that are there, it's obviously going to make their jobs easier and in, in, uh, securing those uh, those television contracts and those uh, marketing uh, deals and partnerships that are really going to help uh, thrive. And, you know, the uh, the model that, you know, they've really, uh, you know, been speaking about over the last uh, few uh, weeks or months is, uh, you know, with going with those uh, uh, ownership groups who have, uh, you know, interests in uh, other uh, organizations, uh, whether, you know, it's going to be the NFL, or I'm sorry, the uh, uh, NHL or NBA uh, type ownership groups, uh, you know, that's going to obviously uh, help, a, help a ton in, in getting, uh, uh, making, it, making it easier, making it a more viable product and not having to worry about, yeah. uh, uh, you know, spending so much money on the, the actual cost of uh, uh, you know the 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 actual venues for these yeah you know, for these games because like I said that that is one of the uh, you know most uh, burdensome uh, expenses for uh, for these uh, franchises uh, you know is the you know the game day operations and uh, you know anything that they can do that can reduce that obviously many of the NFL uh, NHL uh, clubs they. They do have ownership uh, in a lot of these arenas, and that I think is going to make it uh, much more, you know, much more viable uh, for them as a business model. Yeah. So, with bringing that said, um, um, the announcement of the Sacramento team um, owning a team in 2017, and the Washington D.C. owning a team, which will be uh, Monumental Sports, I think is the name of the business in D.C. that owns both the Wizards and the Capitals of the NHL and NBA. And they also, I think, own the was it the Washington Mystic of the WNBA, um, that they're going to put the AFL team in a five thousand seat arena. Did you hear anything about that? 
Well, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, with it, obviously, it's, it's still early. Uh, you know, with uh, all the all the plans, and uh, uh, if if it makes sense, then it makes sense. Obviously, you know, if uh, if you got an ownership group that uh, you know owns a, a, an arena or has a, a business model that's going to get uh, that that's going to work for a smaller venue. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily uh, a bad thing. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's more beneficial, uh, you know, because it does create a demand for the seats. And obviously, uh, you know, if you've got the right marketing strategy behind it, uh, having a demand uh, obviously always, uh, you know, enables you to be able to, uh, you know, increase, uh, you know, prices. Uh, you know, do something that's going to be a little bit more competitive. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing going to a smaller arena. You know, certainly it's uh, you know it's still early and you know everything is kind of subject to change and uh, yeah uh, but but I, I think that um, you know the league has really been aggressively uh, pursuing uh, viable ownership groups who can you know really take uh, a team and not just be around for the for the short term but uh, teams that are going to actually uh, be here and be here to stay that's cool and what do you think about the, the possible um, ownership of three teams in Mexico by Univision? <laughs> you know that's uh, uh, yeah, that's certainly going to be something that uh, you know have to figure out the uh, the details behind. Uh, I think that you know it, in theory uh, it sounds uh, it sounds really good. Uh, I think that you know, we really have to uh, look at more you know more details on it. Uh, you know how how that's going to work with the league here. You know is it. You know, are they going to do something separate? Is it going to be? Is it going to be a joint league between you know them and, and here? And, and if it is, you know, what do you do about you know uh, players who you know potentially can't secure a passport? You know, what is uh, you know whether the roster moves there? You know, what how that's going to really impact them? Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that have to be worked out, especially whenever you're you know dealing with something uh, internationally. Uh, you know, because that's you know. That certainly has to be a you know be a concern on you know what if you've got three of your guys on your teams who who can't secure a passport well then what do you do for that uh, for that week you know and uh, uh, for those guys obviously uh, you know from a from a uh, you know uh, a labor union perspective you know it's like okay well you know do these gentlemen are you gonna uh, are they gonna have to wait uh, before they sign uh, uh, the, you know wait until the schedule comes out to to sign with a team that doesn't play, you know, one of those three teams, so that they, uh, you know, so they're not, you know, missing out on pay, you know, yeah, uh, or what, uh, what that does going to look like. So there's got, you know, obviously, uh, in other, uh, in other countries, you've, you know, there are extremely uh, large and loyal fan bases uh, for a variety of sport, and I think that, you know, uh, you know, saw a little bit of that with. Um, uh, the a AFL China uh, deal when uh, when they had that uh, you know uh, exhibition game there and uh, I think that there certainly is uh, a, a, a ton of uh, potential when you're looking at uh, international markets and obviously uh, it increases uh, visibility and credibility of the brand uh, when you're able to do those things so yeah I, I think that they're on the right uh, they're, they're on the right track with uh, pursuing and I think that the uh, details just have to be worked out. Yeah, I just I just hope they don't rush into it. I think they need to fix their home base first, which will help even more credibility for the outside markets and the other countries. But I think they need to get back to at least a twenty uh, teams league here in the states 
and don't worry about expansion overseas right now. I think they need to get it right here. And with them, and they have a lot to rebuild now, not only just with building new teams and getting every team new team being financially found and sound in their own markets, but I think they need to build, rebuild the relationship with just the general overall public right now because the pub, everybody is, you know, hate, uh, scratching their heads and they're wondering, like, what's going on. Um, and then, you know, they need to work with the TV stations. They need to also have deals where they uh, broadcast commercials for the games outside their own TV stations that they market. And they need to do more outside marketing. That's what I think. And you can reach more people that way. Oh, no, I, I think that, um, you know, as it uh, relates to uh, – uh, to the marketing, I think that uh, uh, the league. I think that uh, Scott's got a um, uh, a pretty good grip on it. I think that you'll see a lot of changes uh, this year uh, as it relates to the marketing of the league. I think that the fans will be extremely excited about uh, you know how that uh, how that rolls out. And uh, like I said, I mean, I think that the that the vision uh, is really uh, coming to play. I'm I'm glad that uh, there were enough. Uh, uh, owners that, uh, you know, really shared, um, you know, in that vision uh, to really you know, kind of move it forward. And, you know, I, one of the things that I was, you know, I was, I really hurt me because I just, as I say, I've, you know, become a fan of this deal. I was, uh, you know, uh, you know, extremely uh, saddened to see that uh, San Jose won't be fielding a team, uh, you know, this year, you know, and, um, in the future, at least by the uh, you know the same uh, ownership group, and that was uh, yeah that 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 hurt me. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, uh, like I say, you just uh, you, you certainly don't come across uh, you know many owners uh, uh, like that, and you know I certainly you know reached out to uh, you know the fries once that happened, just to you know of course just thank them for you know always being there and uh, uh, you know taking care of arena football players, uh, you know, uh, for the last, you know, several years. And, uh, 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 but obviously, you know, for that, you know, for the market and you know, obviously they, you know, there were some challenges moving into the, into the next season as far as scheduling of the arena and, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, having, you know, an understanding of what the, um, behind the marketing strategy and, uh, uh, you know, you're just not going to always have you know, everyone, you know, agree on the best way to move uh, to move things forward. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of you know, what happened there is, you know, it, it's unfortunate. But, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, as, as the league progresses, I think that, you know, uh, there were several different ways that you could have moved. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the Fry ownership group, they certainly had a, you know, a vision that I think was extremely viable, but, uh, you know, that, that just wasn't the, the direction that uh, the leadership in the league wanted to move in. And they, they've got a different uh, uh, vision. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that both would have worked. And I think that either way it goes, that this league's going to be successful. Yeah. And you and I could both, uh, from our contacts from within the organization, you both, uh, you and I could both say it wasn't a financial issue with Fry's saying that they couldn't afford coming out because they, they did. <laughs> And uh, because because a lot of things, a lot of people were saying that oh, um, the Fries.com golf tournament was canceled and uh, they they couldn't run it because they're having issues with their their Fries electronic stores. And I'm seeing I watch on um, like some family vlogs on on YouTube from time to time, and I'm seeing some of these guys like uh, some guy in, in Arizona go to the Fries electronic store and he goes oh if this is a kids wonderland you know if you're if you're a geek you want to come to Fries you know all the stuff all the electronics do they sell. And another guy in Houston went to Fry's Electronics, so, and there and looks like both stores are pretty packed from the the background of the camera. 
you know, and so it's the stores. I'm thinking, I'm sure, probably are still going strong, you know, as compared uh, to other no, brands. I, out there, I, so. You know, and I, I know that uh, obviously it's uh, that's kind of the easy thing to say, you know, that uh, that there's a financial struggle. You know, if, if you got uh, you know fans in other markets and. Uh, <laughs> that that is not a concern of that family yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's uh that is certainly not uh uh the financial you know obviously uh you know what when when you talk about the financial you know obviously for the league moving in a different direction and and wanting to uh you know obviously there's an you know increase and in, uh uh you know in 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 the amount of uh um uh, finances that each team would uh, be required to, you know, of course, put up and, you know, and things like that. And, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, what I was saying just a, a moment ago is, you know, if you don't share in that vision, uh, then it just doesn't make sense, you know, yeah. and that's just, that's the reality of it. And it's obviously, you know, it's, you know, the money comes forward and say, oh, well, they didn't want to you know pay the money. So maybe they're struggling. Well, no, it's just like, okay, well, it, you know, this vision makes sense when I'm spending this amount. But if you're if you're going to change the vision, well, I have to buy into that uh, into that vision. I have to actually believe in that vision for me to say, okay, well, I'm going to double what I paid last year, or you know, or anything like that. You have to share in that vision, and if you yeah. just don't share in that vision, then you say, okay, well, uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense, uh, you know, to, to do it. And that's you know, they every every owner. And you, you've seen some of it with the, uh, you know, with the other groups that, you know, decided to move out. And uh, uh, if it were about, you know, the money, well, then they would have purchased the Sabercat game and joined the IFL. You know, that's you know, like one of the, uh, like some of the other uh, groups, uh, you know, did. So, it, you know, listen, you know, Forbes had, had the, them listed at $2.2 billion. At the at the net worth of the of the orders of the uh, uh, fry stores, and obviously they've got other things going on, and you know the, the finances are not are, are not a concern yeah. for them. Yeah, no matter how expensive <laughs> it is to live here in San Jose, I think fries can oh, oh, yeah. afford it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they uh, they are certainly not. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's almost laughable when I when I started seeing it, and I follow I follow the message boards and things too because I'm now. I'm always interested to see, uh, you know, what goes on there and what the, you know, what the temperament, temperature is around the league. And I see some of that stuff and I just kind of shake my head and laugh and it's like, yeah, that's, uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. That's, uh, and the other truth yeah. was led by some, some fans up in the Northwest, we won't say who, that the, you know, fries <laughs> were paying under a table. And Butera came out in the interview recently on ZalzeInside.com saying, no, if fries was paying under the table, we would have caught them and we would have dealt with them directly. You know, but apparently that didn't happen, and that was not one of the reasons. Another yet a reason why they they left the league because they were caught and they didn't want to, you know, pay the so-called fine or whatever. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they treated their 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 players, you know, with the high, utmost highest respect. Um, they had to pay, do accordingly to the cost of living out here in San Jose. I mean, the LA Kiss is in the same situation as the cost of living in Anaheim is really high, and they had to do mm -hmm. some re, re, restructuring themselves when they brought in Joe Windham this past year, you know, so, and he saw the, the costs were skyrocketing through the roof, going to Whittier College and housing players the way out there didn't, wasn't practical for the budget. You know, I, some of the uh, different teams, you know, it just, uh, you know, 
And, you know, it's uh, teams that have, you know, decided to go their own separate ways and owners that have decided to move on. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a strong uh, foundation within the organization with some of the uh, teams. And, you know, I've obviously, you know, with uh, through the union work, I have an opportunity, I've had an opportunity to visit several of the teams uh, around the league and, you uh, and looking at some of the front office staffs and, you know, you move you walk into some of these, you know, buildings and there's, you know, two people, they're manning the phones, they're trying to sell, you know, partnerships, they're trying to do, you know, contact season ticket holders, they're trying to, you have two, three, sometimes, you know, four employees trying to run this entire organization and it just, just can't get it done. And it, yeah, yeah, I just, uh, I used to love when I, when I walk into, you know, into San Jose or, you know, uh, Arizona, you walk into these uh, organizations and, they got staffs of you know tons of people, and these aren't oh, and, and more often than not, these aren't paid employees. They're going out, they're reaching out to the colleges, you know, finding you know the marketing interns, finding the uh, sales interns, and you know these different people that can come in and fulfill these unique uh, needs. And you know these people they're being paid with the college credit that they receive. And you know it's you know are you actually you know as an ownership group you know do you have the uh, you know, the understanding of, you know, really the business development to be able to use your, you know, the, the resources that are around you. Cause you don't always have to go out and hire, you know, a, a ton of employees and utilize a lot of resources in that. There are plenty of other opportunities to have, you know, qualified people or people that are, you know, really striving to be successful and make a name for themselves uh, within this industry uh, come out and, you know, perform a lot of these uh, duties you know, for free, you know, around the country, you know, many, many uh, companies utilize the uh, 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 services of interns and, you know, at uh, free or minimal costs. Uh, And I I looked at some of these organizations and I'd say, why aren't you guys doing this? Why aren't you guys, you know, know, we don't have a a team out there that's, uh, you know, located uh, uh, somewhere where there isn't, uh, you know, at least 10 local colleges, you know, whether it's community colleges, uh, you know, colleges and universities, uh, in the surrounding areas to really be able to leverage that talent to be able to build your organization. So, uh, you know, some teams, just, they just weren't doing things the right way. And San Jose and, you know, some of the other, or, you know, the top tier uh, organizations, it's evident by, you know, the game day operations. It's evident by, the you know, what you're seeing on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've had good experience going to Arizona Rattler games. They do the same thing. It's um, they do actually. They have the same game, um, same company that does the game day operations in Arizona as they do here in San Jose with Kenny and his crew and his company. Um, so yeah, it's it's great. And then LA, they tried doing their thing. They and you know, like you just saw on Fourth and Loud that the guy that came in for their grand spectacle in the first year was a fifty thousand dollar for that one game and not the entire Stanley and, and or uh, season. And Paul Stanley was about to pull his hair out. You know, say no. Oh, yeah. We have a budget. We can't do that, man. We're fifty thousand dollars for one game. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a, it's it's a one thing if you say, hey, this is going to be the uh, uh, the one thing. It's going to be our inaugural game. We're going to you know go all out. You know, spare no expense for that. You know, for that one instance. And it's an, another thing to say, hey, we're going to do this on a weekend and week week out basis. And that just that's not viable in any you know in any uh, yeah. in any market here. So. Uh, I think that um, you know, getting to win him over there, he's a he's a uh, he's a smart guy, and uh, you know, he's obviously able to you know build some uh, success, uh, you know, help contribute to some of the success here in Arizona, and uh, I think that he'll uh, do things uh, you know really the right way there. Uh, you know, they did a great job in getting Omar Smith down there, and uh, uh, 
he's going to do just a you know fantastic job you know uh, as far as uh, developing the, the product that you see on the field and yeah. this will you know uh, without a doubt be their most successful year uh, you know since uh, you know since joining the league two years ago they are uh, I'm excited to see you know what they the product that they have on the field and see them compete yeah did you know that Paul Stanley and, and uh, Dean Simmons with the hiring of Omar have actually officially changed their name they're not using the kiss brand anymore they're now the they're, now they're called the L.A. Southern Sabercats. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> you got, hey, I tell you what, you you're getting uh, Nate Stanley down there. You're, you're getting an uh, influx. As you know, the thing about it is, is you know, I I used to tell people, and uh, you know, with the uh, guys who would talk about you know some of the uh, uh, legend under the table stuff that you know goes on and. Uh, some of the things, and yeah, I, I tell them, you know what, if I'm, you know, a guy and I'm living, you know, I'm, I'm from uh, somewhere in Illinois and I'm deciding on where I want to go, you know, there are advantages about living on a coast. <laughs> there are advantages about uh, to living uh, living in, you know, Arizona. There are advantages, you know, if you have aspirations that to play for an owner who maybe has uh, NFL ties. And, you know, there are advantages if you, you know, if you have, um, you know, uh, through your, uh, you know, collegiate uh, uh, education, you know, you have aspirations of, you know, uh, you know, pursuing a career in the industry that your owner, uh, you know, has a, a strong uh, foothold. You know, there's there are all kinds of the things that go into the decisions of, uh, you know, going to the team. But, you know, there's even some of the little things. One of the owners that, um, you know, is no longer around, you know, they, you know you're you giving guys, you know, hot dogs for all their meals. You know, that's, it, it, it's the little stuff. You know, you go to these, you go to San Jose or Arizona and, the, you know, Phillies, you know, uh, some of these teams, you're not having to deal with that. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're being treated like a professional. You know, when that's, uh, uh, that really does go a long way when a, when a player is looking uh, at somewhere to go to one, you know, be treated like a professional, uh, and two, obviously uh, having an opportunity to win. Uh, those are things uh, that really you just can't you can't say enough about. You know, the facilities. You know, where am I going to live? What does the housing situation you know uh, look like? You know, you know, do you have enough of a relationship? Uh, uh, you know, with the, with the community where I can, you know to maybe I, to where I can leverage my playing ability to secure. Uh, a, a career or, uh, you know, looking at places of where is maybe somewhere where I want to live long term, you know, after my playing days are done. Can I actually set up roots here? Is it somewhere where I want to set up roots? There's so many different things that go into uh, deciding where you want, you know, where, where a guy wants to play. Uh, and, you know, it's it's the easiest uh, thing to always say is, oh, well, hey, you know, they must be, you know, paying somebody uh, uh, extra and, you know, all that. And, uh, teams are graded uh, are uh, granted a lot of uh, uh, flexibility and latitude, and, and some of the things that they can do uh, for uh, you know for players to make their you know their respective cities and teams uh, uh, attractive. And you know some teams take advantage of it, and some teams don't. You know, and uh, you know are you you know working within the you know within the framework to you know really take advantage of you know uh, you know anything that you can and. You know, you, you can't really fault the teams that are doing it. Yeah. Well, we've been going on for almost like an hour now. I know, I know <laughs> you and I have almost done this before when you came to San Jose one game and I, I met you and I cut you off from buying your own drink there at the bar at the, at the arena. And I told you, 
come sit by me, you know, you did, and then next thing we looked up, we both looked up at the scoreboard and said, okay, what's the score going on? And then we're like, wait, fourth quarter? What happened to the third quarter? <laughs> I, I tell you what, you know, you get you and I together, and uh, neither one of us have ever showed up, man. Yeah. We'll talk all night, all day if you let us, but. So I wonder yeah, if that's going to be um, a dangerous situation when me, Tom and I come down and join you in Arizona for the, the L.A. Kiss at Arizona Rattlers game on May 21st. So that could be even well, bad. I- I tell you what, I, I certainly look forward to it, and uh, you know, you and I, uh, you know, talk, uh, uh, you know, outside of arena football and a number of things, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you here in the next couple of days. We always see, like, we all, we always talk, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, and it certainly won't just be you know, out here, and maybe if you guys get down to a game in uh, in L.A. or uh, anywhere surrounding, you know, certainly. Uh, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're going to, to the, um, the L.A. Uh, Kiss home opener on April 2nd against the Sharks. So okay, that, cool. that's where we're going to do. And I've already told, you know, like the players, I told Nathan Stanley, I've told Omar, Rodney Fritz, and now DJ Stevens, who just recently got picked up there. So I told them all we'll, we're, we're going down there. And I told Brian Fox, and we're going to try to get down there. And maybe you can make the six-hour trek, you know, west and come out to the coastland and and a little bit cooler weather <laughs> down to Anaheim. Hey, I, I, I tell you what, it's, uh, it's even better. It's about a 45-minute flight, so I, I'd oh, probably do. Lucky you. <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll probably take that route. But, uh, you know, absolutely, you know, uh, you know schedule permitting, I, you know, I'll certainly see you there. Definitely. Uh, we have uh, – basically, I posted the – so far, I posted up to week six, I believe, of all the games on ninthmannation.net. You hit the calendar, and I have a Google Embed calendar. Just select the month, and it's all on there, including our podcast that we have here on SoundCloud. Um, really quick, I have to do a little quick sponsor shout-out to Blue Water Seafood and Crab. You know, you know, Steve is a, a, a customer here. It is he, delicious. He knows it. <laughs> He's out here in San Jose. It's great stuff. I'm actually sitting right to the right of the owner here. He's right to my left right now. You know, so great stuff out here. And then also now, it was probably more accidental this was brought up, but I guess we're unofficially sponsored by isajax.com. You know, you go and check, <laughs> check, out, check out your protein stuff, get your health nutrition, and, and get yourself some do-right stuff, you know, and do the isogenic stuff, you know. So. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. i tell you what, the Blue Water, uh, that is good food. You know, we've had an opportunity to sit there and uh, uh, check it out uh, a couple of times, and it is uh, it is delicious. <laughs> Hey, there he is. <laughs> no, it is, it is absolutely delicious. So anybody, if, you, uh, if you're not there, uh, you know, if you are there locally, definitely go check it out. And if you're not, uh, uh, if you ever have an opportunity to visit the Bay Area, it is certainly uh, you know, worth your time to get out there. And you know, obviously with uh, Isogenics, you know, certainly uh, reach out to uh, uh, Eric and uh, you know, he knows how to get a hold of me and uh, you know, anything with health and fitness. So Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, the next time you come out to San Jose, I'm buying you. This is I am buying you, not you. Uh, buying yeah, no, no, no. I'm buying you a lobster roll. Lobster roll. Hey, it sounds good. Wait, take it easy. I tell you what, I appreciate you. You know, you having me on, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you here in just a couple of months. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Stephen. You have a good weekend. Also, uh, Merry Christmas to you and your your family too. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.